Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for my amazing husband. As of this recording, I am 218 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Dusty. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm (laughs) very appreciative to have you on. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are? Sure. My name is Dusty Grimes. I live now in Nashville, Tennessee. I but I've only been here, <clears throat> excuse me, less than a year. I lived in Atlanta from the fall of '98 until last May. Okay. I will be. Let's see. I'll be sober a year on January 11th. So that's in. Is that? That's just slightly over two weeks from now. And uh, my pronouns are he, him. Thank you. And to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like? Okay. Well, stop me if I, if I talk to you. So, <clears throat> excuse me. My main issue was alcohol, but it quite often led to coke and maybe not often, but a lot of times would lead to crystal meth, but it was, it would, it would always start with alcohol. And for a very long time there, I mean, like I could go days without, you know, the drugs, but I couldn't go two hours without alcohol. I will say it got really bad for me. You know, I, I, first of all, I was so straight laced in high school. Mm-hmm. I never drank a drop. I barely did in college. I just was not straight out the gate. Like, it didn't become a problem for me until I was in my 30s. You know, I drank like a quote unquote normal person would, I would say, for a very long time. And it got really bad when I was 30. It definitely, that's when things went off the rails. And it got a little bit better when I was 35. And then at 36, it went completely like, awful. So I went to uh, rehab in January of 2017. And that gave me a very, very good foundation. But it was not like the day I got out of rehab, I never drank again. It certainly was not one of those stories. I went a few months, then I would screw up. And then I'd go a couple more months and I'd screw up again. And then, you know, those couple of months turned into or maybe three weeks. And it just, I just kept going up and down like a roller coaster up until 
this past January of 2021. For me, you know, it was literally when it was the worst, it was morning, noon, and night whenever I could sneak around a corner in another room and swig something at work, at lunch, on my way home from work. I mean, you name it. So the the last time that I got <laughs> wasted, it started with, I had probably been on a good, I'll say I'd been on another one of my handful of weeks. I don't really remember, to be honest with you, but I probably was. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who used to live in Atlanta, but he had moved out of state for a job. He came to visit and for some reason, and he, I hope he doesn't hear this because he blames himself for this. And I've assured him that it, he, he couldn't have stopped me. For some reason, just he was kind of a party buddy and previously, and he totally knew my situation. He knew what I was trying to do, but I just made the decision. I didn't care that night. And I was just going to do what I wanted to that night. <clears throat> And that night turned into a solid three and a half days. And it was like one of the worst. I don't like the word bender because I don't really think it ever really applied to me because when I was drinking the worst, it was literally from the moment I got up to the moment I went to bed. But this definitely was. It started with us drinking at a restaurant. And the minute we got in the call, making the phone call to get coke, and it just like snowballed from there. So I called out of work for two days in a row after that. And I mean, I just hated myself. I felt gross. I felt awful. Like I was so ridiculously embarrassed to myself. And I have an incredibly supportive husband who's been with me through all of this. We've been together um, almost 18 years. It will be in April. So he's seen me at my best and he's seen me at my worst. And I mean, God knows he should have left me two dozen times over, over the years, just because of how careless I got that he said to me, I, I don't know what it was about this one time that what he said to me, like sunk in, but he said, if you do this again, you will lose another job you'll you, you'll lose this job and that won't be the first job that i've lost because of this and i knew he was right and i i can't believe that i got back on out those two days and no one like questioning it but i guess just when you work remotely from home, you can kind of sort of get away with that a little bit easier at least for a few times and i knew he was right and i had already you know, I'd already thrown away one job for drinking on the job and got caught. That's what led me to go to rehab the first time, or that's what led me to go to rehab. And then after, you know, I started to kind of get my life a little bit put back together, I, I got a job that I absolutely loved in Atlanta and the pandemic took that away from me. So I had to, you know, it was just kind of like starting from scratch again, even though my drinking didn't make me lose that job, but I loved so much. It just was the luck of the draw. But he said, you, you will lose another job if you, if you do not stop this. And, and some, for some reason, even though that wasn't some big, like, it wasn't like it was some earth shattering news to me, the way he said it, I don't know, it, 
I'll never forget it. And finding a job is the most stressful thing in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, so that has just, it hasn't always been easy. In fact, I hate to sound like a cliche, but during the this last week of Christmas, I've really wanted to drink for a couple of reasons. You know, when you get a lot of family around, yeah. you know, it's very easy for my brain to revert back into, ooh, alcohol will make you tune them out. And then also, I had nine days off straight in a row from work because I took a bunch of PTO just to really enjoy Christmas for the first time in a long time. And I think my brain was just that that part of my brain was like, "Mm, you've got free time now, so it's okay. But I never did. Mm. I'm very, very excited. I'm very happy. I've never gone this long before. And I will point out, I should have said this at the beginning. I actually don't do AA. I do smart recovery. I was exposed to that when I was in uh, rehab and really, really liked it. And it's definitely working for me. And as I tell my smart group that I meet with every week, I'm I'm just the most serious about it right now. I thought I was serious back in the day, but I really, really am now. And there's too much that Chris and I have going for us right now for me to throw it away. I'm in a job now that I like and I'm very good at. I get to work from home which took me a long time to get used to, but I love it. And he has a really awesome job. He gets to work from home. We just bought a just gorgeous house in Atlanta, excuse me, in Nashville that we're crazy about. And, you know, every day I look at this place and uh, I still can't believe that it's ours. And I'm close to my family. We have a good relationship. So I don't have anything to complain about. And I certainly don't have anything that should be a quote unquote valid reason for me to really just give in to drinking. And I'm really, really excited about that. And I really don't want to throw that away. And especially now that you're like kind of reflecting back on almost a year sober, congratulations, by the way, on that. If you can go back in time and come face to face with your past self when you were in your active addiction and the worst of it, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that A, I'm not fooling quite as many people as I think I am, although it is kind of amazing how many people I was able to fool, especially my coworkers, because I was drunk around them more than just about anybody. But the other thing is, I I would tell myself, you're destroying your body. My doctor was really concerned about me there for a while. Like he had me go get ultrasound on my liver he's like you've got problems every time i went in he said you've got to quit drinking i mean he knew he knew it and just looking back like i'm just kind of thinking in my head right now about one particular like maybe six or eight months span when it was really bad for me and uh i was so miserable now i think i was miserable and that's why i drank because i was unhappy with my job That was the main reason. But I was just making myself more miserable because I'd have to come up with the lies and I'd have to cover it up and I'd have to, you know, make sure nobody, like I was so, oh God, I just can't even stand to think about it. I I hate it. So that's what I would tell myself. Yeah. 
Powerful words. Now, how do you feel your sexuality played a role in your addiction and your recovery? Okay, well, I've given this, I mean, I've thought about this question uh, a lot. And I, well, there's a few things. There's a few aspects to this. I don't want to harp on this too much. But I mean, I was, I grew up in a really small southern town. And I was bullied a lot, which I know I'm not unique in that. But I, unfortunately, I'm very bad to hold a grudge. And I can remember when I was in rehab in January 2017, talking, still talking then about stuff that happened to me when I was, that I can still vividly remember that happened to me when I was in grade school, in high school. And I know that that affected, that that was, that was just part of this ingrained I'm not good enough thought process that I have tried very hard in the last few years to shake. And the other thing is, I mean, I realize this doesn't ring true for every gay man out there, but, you know, part of becoming a gay man and part of a rite of passage is the club scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't escape it unless you live in a very small town your whole life. You know, when I moved to Atlanta when I was 18, it took me a little while to get acclimated to that. It really, I really didn't even think about it for the first couple of years. But when I was 22, yeah, and it's kind of seen as something you're supposed to do. And I'm not bashing the club scene at all because I had a blast. And I wasn't addicted back then. I just would party with my friends on the weekend or every other weekend. And compared to how bad it got in my 30s, that wasn't even close to a dick. But as gay men, you know, I can't speak for the girls, but for gay guys, that club, bar, party scene, it, it's just normalized for us. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it also has to do with what crowd of people you start to hang around. And I mean, every person has to treat it as to just handle that differently. I mean, you're going to navigate those things differently. You know, I never really thought of myself as a cool or good looking growing up or even in high school to be perfectly honest. And then whenever I got to Atlanta, I kind of found out, Oh, maybe I am. There's a lot to be said for poor self-esteem that's ingrained in you when you're growing up and then you, you move somewhere new and you kind of can become whomever you want to be. But for us gay guys, a big part of that is drinking. And for a lot of us, it's drugs too. But for basically everybody, it's drinking. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I know that um, one of my, my guests was like, you know, the LGBTQ community sponsored by Absolute. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, if it yeah. feels that way, so, you know, there's alcohol everywhere in life, but especially in our community, it's such a part of our community. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it. it I, one of my straight buddies in my, in my smart group said something along the lines of, well, Dusty, you know, Drinking and partying and, and having a lot of sex isn't exclusive to the gay community. I get that. But for some reason with us, it's 
we're not afraid to talk about it. Like it's so normalized in the gay. And I don't think it's straight people. I don't think they get that. Like, yeah, we know y'all are doing it too, but y'all don't talk about it as normally as we do. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, certainly. And how do you think that that's changed? Like how has it been navigating the, you know, the gay community sober? Ooh, loaded question. Okay. Now this is where I could talk forever. So I've made some big changes with regards to that. Now, a lot of that has to do with, I mean, I'm actually, I'll be 42 in three weeks. I'm not a kid anymore. The bars, like, I just don't, I can't go anymore. You know, I just can't, but I really don't want to. It's not that I'm sitting around every night thinking, oh my God, I wish I could go so bad. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite a homebody now. And at the risk of sounding like I'm getting my blessing to getting wasted, I will say I'm glad that I have that experience from my past because I can say that I've been there and done that. I've not lived a sheltered life at all. I've seen and done a lot. And I can look at it that way, which I actually think is a good thing. At least it is for me. However, I really have to stop and think about things. Like when we get invited to things, we're going to Palm Springs for a long weekend. Like I think we're going to be gone five days here in just a few weeks, mainly for my birthday. Palm Springs, we've been twice before, and it is definitely a vacation spot that has always turned into alcohol, drugs, and sex for for me. And we really had to have a serious conversation. My best friend lives there. So that's the main reason we wanted to go. I want to go see him. But we were like, okay, we're not staying at any of the gay guest houses this time because if I do that, I'm going to put myself right in there and I I, I can't do it. So we're going to stay at a not traditionally gay place. You know, obviously I'm not going to be going to the clubs and the bars. I'm not going to go to the, you know, bathhouses or, you know, I just, I've got to read, I've got to shift, you know, we're going to do more of the touristy things. We're going to go hiking. We're going to do stuff like that, you know, and it's, again, I'm not like, oh God, I wish I could go do the, you know, the, the, the old stuff that I used to, I'm okay with it. I'm actually kind of looking, I'm really looking forward to it. We've been to Provincetown three times in the past, and that's another place that would just explode, like drink, 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 drink the whole time I'm there. Um, I'm not ready to go back there, maybe one day. But as far as, you know, one thing I love are the drag shows. And the funny thing is in Atlanta, and I I don't know if it's different now, because it's been so long since I've been to one of the, the bars in Atlanta. But Atlanta is such a late night city for stuff like a drag show doesn't start if you're lucky until 11 o'clock at night. Nashville's not that way. And I, I love it. Like we've been to a lot of drag brunches. I sound like some old gay man right now, don't I? I'm not living under a rock. I just have to figure out what's going to work because it's kind of like you can't put up you know, a raw piece of meat in front of a dog and expect him not to eat it. And that's kind of how I see, well, I can't, I I actually was just having this conversation with a guy that cuts my hair the other day. And in Atlanta, there's a really awesome gay strip club. And he was like, could you ever go back? I said, absolutely not. There was no way on earth. I mean, you talk about a party night. That's all that that would have been for me. Yeah. And that would have turned into probably a two day affair. I sound like a really 
scratchy person right now. But, I mean, there's just some things that I'm not going to be able to do anymore. And that's okay because I've done plenty of it in my past. Yeah. Like, it's not like I can't say that I've experienced it. And again, I'm getting older. And, you know, when you're in your 20s, you think that the way you live and the things you're interested in then are going to be the things that you are interested in and the way you are going to live forever. And it's not. It really isn't. And I, you know, I think most people just have to live and learn that. Yeah. I agree. And I identify a lot with it. So don't feel, you know, trashy or gross. You know, it's part of, you know, we've all had our our moments. And yeah, it is nice that I can say that, you know, I've done those things. So, I, you know, it's just a matter of finding new things that I can do instead. Yeah. Now, if uh, this is episode is going to come out early in the new year where a lot of people are trying things like dry January or like considering sobriety or dipping their toes in. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone like that who's sober curious or freshly sober? Well, the main thing I would say is don't be afraid to talk about it. Actually, I'm going to say a few things. Don't be afraid to talk about it because I will tell you from experience, it's not just something that people say, you can't do this on your own. Unless you're just like he, man, like maybe there's one out of a hundred people out there that can just do this on their own and not tell anyone about it and more power to you. But most people aren't that, that lucky. If you know somebody who is sober, ask them questions. It's okay. It's not something that we're ashamed to talk about. If you're genuinely interested, the, the other thing is nothing worth having is easy. And as I've said before, I didn't just go to rehab and then walk out and not have a problem. I had a lot of problems after, you know, a few months, then I'd have a a slip up another month. I'd have a slip up a few weeks. I'd have a slip up. And most people have that experience. If you think that you're going to make up your mind and quit drinking and you go a week, and you think you're doing well, and then you screw up. If you think that that's the end of it and that you're hopeless, you're wrong. It, it will take. It will take time. I mean, it's going to take a few. It's going to take a few tries. But you have to be honest with yourself. If you do have a slip up, don't keep it a secret. That's why groups, whether it be AA or it be Smart Recovery, or if it's just you going to a therapist every week or every other week, if you screw up, Admit it. It's embarrassing at first, but everybody's, excuse me, been there. That, that's really made an honest go of this. So if you set yourself up expecting perfection right off the bat, then you've already lost. Progress, not perfection. And that absolutely Yes. And what are some things that you do in your daily life to help keep yourself sober? Well, I'm going to shock a lot of people when I say that. I actually am pretty religious now. Mm-hmm. And that didn't just come about because I've tried to get sober. Those two things did not originally go hand in hand. I was raised very strict Baptist. So you can deduce what you want from that whenever i moved to atlanta and moved you know got on my own and got away from my hometown i pushed all of that away 
100%. Didn't go to church, didn't care about it. It made me uncomfortable if anyone even brought it up. Just a lot of scars. I didn't really, I hadn't, they didn't have that stuff figured out in my head. I just didn't know where I was and I just didn't even think about it. A few years ago, and I really have no way of saying this other than literally one morning I just woke up and said to myself, you know, maybe you don't know everything. Clearly your life is screwed up. Clearly you're not doing everything right. So maybe you need to rethink this religious thing. And I started visiting churches until I found one that I liked. So I, I mean, that that's uh, the, the very, very short, my journey with religion story, but I do go to an incredibly gay friendly church here in Nashville, but I absolutely adore. And I've got people in the church I can talk to. First of all, there's actually a lot of people in our church that are in recovering. I do pray. I do a little meditation. I like the Insight Timer app. I have that on my phone. A lot of people, there's all kinds of meditation apps out there. That's the one that I like. And I'm pretty well motivated in the gym. Am I a gym bunny? No. Am I a muscle geek? Absolutely not. But I do want to keep myself healthy. Yeah. Those are all very good tips, so to speak. I know when I got sober, I took the, in the, the my 12 step program, they say like to avoid feeling hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I took, Absolutely. I took the hungry very seriously though the past six months. So I'll be hitting the gym <laughs> come January for sure. Yeah. Now, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the gym that we were members of in Atlanta had awesome classes and we had an awesome trainer. We've joined a gym here in Nashville that doesn't really offer the, the, the classes like we were used to. I really miss that aspect. That helped me a lot. That group fitness class setting. I will tell anyone who's listening, if if you're thinking about being sober, that alone will help you. Mm-hmm. If you're hearing me say pray, religion, church, and you're like, absolutely not, that's totally fine. Because that used to be me for most of my adult life. But even if you go to a spin class or a yoga class, making yourself motivated with one thing will help you stay motivated with another. Yeah, I agree. Excellent. And we as recovering alcoholics tend to typically love our steps, traditions, and sayings. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you like to live by? Well, you actually just said it a minute ago and it's progress, not perfection. Whenever I heard that the first time I, it's so freaking simple, but I even when I was younger and even when I was drinking all the time, I've, I've, there's one thing about me that's remained the same. And that is, I love, a hard, rigid schedule. I am not a fly by the seat of my pants type of guy. I hate the process. I'm, <laughs> and it's a very hard for me to wrap my brain around something that isn't black and white, which is what that phrase is not. It's not black or white. It's, I mean, it's not an excuse to let you slide or to let you off the hook, but it is, like I said before, if you go into sobriety thinking that you're gonna it's an all or nothing thing and if you mess up then it's then it's over that's wrong eventually you will reach that perfect hopefully that it's not going to happen overnight yeah i agree thank you 
so much for that and for sharing so much of your story. It was definitely something that I can identify with, and I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy hearing. Do you, Would you like to share your Instagram handle or anything for people to find you if they want more Dusty? <laughs> My Instagram handle is at jdustygrimes, J-D-U-S-T-Y-G-R-I-M-E-S. And yeah, if anyone out there has ten, I'd love to hear from you because that will that will motivate me. Excellent. Yes, I always love listener feedback as well. So thank you, listeners, for listening. You can reach out to Dusty. I'll make sure I put his handle in the show notes as well as mine, which is Gay A Podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story, getting involved with the show, or just saying hi, you can reach me on Instagram or emailing me at gayapodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us wherever you're listening to this episode right now so that you can get new episodes whenever they come out every Monday and Thursday. And until next time, stay sober, friends.